Thursday is here. Glad you are here with us. Thank you for joining us, home of Sooner fans, the Rep Radio Network, on a Thursday, hour number one, presented by Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Whether you're looking to repair, replace, or maintain your air conditioning system, call Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area since 2007. Call them up at 405 405- uh, 579 So thanks again to Tim Lasher and uh, his great company. Sponsoring our first hour. We have uh, the Sooner basketball team in action tonight, 6 o'clock against Baylor. Obviously, they have to win that game. Some people think they win that game, they're in. Some people think they may need another W. We'll see. Uh, the net rating's pretty good. You beat Baylor, you're going to go to 35, 37, maybe somewhere in that range. So that would be a great situation for Oklahoma. But beating Baylor is the task at hand, and that is no easy task for Porter Moser and company. And then you have, uh, you know, the Sooners will play the winner of the 8:30 game tonight. Iowa State and Texas Tech, if they can get by Baylor, we uh, we get things started and we're already underway. TCU and Texas, West Virginia and Kansas will play at 2 o'clock today in Kansas City. You've got Jocelyn Allo. You just heard Chris Plank on the Plank Show uh, talking about the matchup with Baylor tonight. Jocelyn Allo at the kids' camp yesterday got very emotional going back to her native uh, Hawaii, and uh, you could tell how much uh, this moment means to her. And it kind of feels like, again, uh, there's a reason that Jocelyn Allo hasn't hit home run number 96 yet. It feels like it just needs to happen in Hawaii. We'll see. Hopefully they'll pitch to her some. But Baylor tonight, 730. They play Cal, 730 on Friday night. Then they have a 10 o'clock game with Hawaii Friday night. Then they have a single game at 4 o'clock with Hawaii uh, on Saturday, the Sooner baseball team, by the way, they moved back their uh, series against Texas San Antonio because of uh, the wintry weather that's coming in tomorrow. They're going to play UTSA in a single game at 2 o'clock Saturday. They'll play a doubleheader against the Roadrunners at noon on Sunday, and then the second game slated for 4 o'clock. Players' championship being uh, really bothered by weather at TPC Sawgrass. We saw Tiger Woods last night go in the World Golf Hall of Fame introduced by his daughter Sam. He got very emotional. Tim Fincham went in. We told you about Susie Maxwell burning with her uh, connections to the state of Oklahoma, also going in the World Golf Hall of Fame last night. Parker, why don't we start, though? you like starting with Sooner football? I, I always like starting why with Sooner not? football. Mike. By, by, by the way, quick aside, how fantastic would it be if today the OU men's basketball team were to beat Baylor and then Jocelyn Allo were to hit home run number 96 against Baylor? The Sikkim double is what you're talking about against Baylor Bingo. for OU, and uh, we'll see, man. Oklahoma, they're going to have to play out of their uh, minds tonight and hope that Baylor has an off night to get this done. And most importantly, and we'll hear from Porter Moser a little bit later on, take care of the basketball. The 25 turnovers in the uh, second matchup at the LNC was a huge problem for Oklahoma. We'll see. I think the Sooners are going to play hard. I don't think that's ever in question. It is whether or not they can make enough plays, make enough shots. You need a Mo Gibson to get really hot tonight. You need Tanner Groves to have a, a heck of a game as well. You need somebody else, Marvin Johnson, Jacob Groves, 
you know, Jalen Hill, somebody else to come out and make plays for you tonight to have a shot in this matchup with Baylor. Uh, So yesterday, Pro Day down in Norman, and the 11 Combine guys were there that were in Indy this past weekend, and uh, you add uh, Laron Stokes also to the mix yesterday. But Nick Benito is a guy that has run some good 40s, looks pretty good. Uh, We've seen him get after the quarterback. I know that – there's some people that weren't too happy, and Perion Winfrey was talking about, man, they made him drive back in coverage way too much. You need a guy like Nick Benito to just get after the quarterback, and hopefully you'll be seeing him doing that a lot on Sundays. I think, you know, maybe early, mid-second round at the very latest, early third round for Nick Benito. Uh, Benito came back again for Pro Day and enjoyed that. You know, he was uh, – playing in Alex Grinch's defense and making a lot of plays for this Sooner squad uh, the past couple years. Uh, Benito, though, yesterday meeting with the media says, you know what, all the outgoing guys are still very excited because they really like what they see with the new staff. The coaching staff, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, that have talked to me about it, it's just like like a family, you know, atmosphere. Um, first day we came back, Coach V embraced us with open arms. All the coaches, uh, Coach Vest, Cubby, and Coach Bates, uh, Coach Chavez, and uh, just you know, a, c- a couple other coaches, uh, Valai, I think that's his name. Um, yeah, they they just came in with a bunch of energy, you know, welcoming us back home, like like we're still playing for them. So, you know, you just gotta appreciate stuff like that. And you know, I definitely think you know with this with these new guys here, you know, it's a lot to look forward to for sure. Yeah, again, you hear a lot of positive. Uh, Brian Asamoa also going through workouts yesterday. You know, he's he's seen what the reaction has been like with the Sooner Nation getting very upset the way that Muleshoe left and went out to L.A. But he has also seen the excitement and, you know, all the optimism surrounding this new staff that is coming to Norman with Brent Venables and what looks to be a really, really good coaching staff he's put together. Here is Brian Asamoa talking about the whole coaching transition. The thing with, you know, that entire thing, uh, you know, you got to understand that in, in life, you know, a lot, of, a lot of opportunities are given, man. And, you know, Coach Grinch, Coach, you know, Riley, you know, all the guys that left, um, they were given the opportunity. Um, and you know, I feel like they made the best decision for them and their family. You know, I feel like if anyone had the opportunity to make a decision that was going to be best and they felt that was best for their family, they're going to make that same decision. So um, you, can't, you can't really knock him for that. You know, yeah, we would have loved him. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, man. He made the best decision for his family. And, you know, at this point now, I feel like Sooner Nation is happy. You know, we got, you know, our guy, Coach Venables, and, you know, he's a fantastic coach. Um, you know, preaches, you know, best is the standard, um, being an uncommon man. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what he does for this, you know, future Oklahoma football team and understanding that the challenges he's going to bring to a lot of, you know, guys on that team, uh, his expectation of excellence and, um, you know, Hopefully we can build another winning culture again, for sure. Man, that is a mature, bright young man right there. Very mature. He sounds a lot more mature than certain radio hosts who can't get over this stuff, right? Are you, are you talking mean, about me or I'm, Brian Asamoah? No, I'm talking about you and Brian Asamoah. A lot more maturity that you have in your uh, limited years here on the planet than I've had, which I've had a bunch, nearly 59. But, no, that's a good perspective. And, uh, it's you know, you keep hearing all this stuff about the new coaching staff. And, look, a lot of the – you know what fan stuff is like? Uh, you know, and look, I fully admit I've been a homer on this deal. I can't get past it, and uh, I'm trying. But, you know, sometimes one staff leaves, and they leave uh, particularly, and, and a lot of these guys didn't have a choice, you know, like Brian Odom and some of the other guys. They didn't ever, you know, they, they needed a job, right? 
Uh, it's not like they were going to be out of the street destitute, but you want to continue in your profession. There's yeah, a lot of I pressure mean, on those guys. Make a decision now. Hey, I'm going. You going? You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, right? you think Brian Odom, the pride of Ada, Oklahoma, wanted to leave OU for USC? Doubtful. Very doubtful. I mean, look, USC is a sleeping giant of a program. There's no doubt. But Brian Odom is about as Oklahoma as you can get. I don't know. And I, think I he's would, a good football coach, too. I don't know that I would say it's a sleeping giant of a program. I, I would lean more toward giant in a coma. Well, they have been, but uh, can they wake up? That's the question. And if they do wake up, they can be dangerous. All right, so Parker, you talk to these kids all the time. You know some of their parents. I know Brandon talks to them all the time. If you could put your finger on, like, two things that maybe make these staffs different, the Lincoln-Riley regime, the Muleshoe regime versus this new Brent Venables regime that's now here in Norman drawing rave reviews, Give me a couple characteristics you think that differentiate the two staffs. Well, let's start with Brent Venable's own words. Relational over transactional. All right, this staff is much more relationship-driven than the former staff. And you're starting to see that manifest itself already. The buzzwords that you hear from recruits that take visits to Oklahoma and get the chance to interact with Brent Venables and Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis and all the other members of this Oklahoma staff, the two buzzwords I hear most frequently are genuine and family. Those were th- those were not two buzzwords that I commonly heard under the Muleshoe regime. I'm trying to think, what are two buzzwords that... Uh, I, I, what were the what were the mule shoe buzzwords? I'm gonna have to noodle more on that. Maybe I'll have a better answer for you next segment because it's been it's been so long. It's been all it, it's been over three months since mule shoe left town. So I'm gonna need some time to think about that and think back to what were the buzzwords that I heard thrown around when mule shoe was the head coach. But I think you got to start with that, right? Relational over transactional, and I think you also see that in the Venables' philosophy that we're not going to take your commitment until you are actually committed to Oklahoma, i.e. you're not going to take any more visits while you're committed here. It is not happening. If you are committed, your car is at home, it's at school, or it's at the University of Oklahoma. That type of deal. I would say the second distinction is, and I know it's kind of obvious because we've hashed it out a lot, but there's a very there's a very regional focus with this new staff's recruiting philosophy. They know where their wheelhouse is, and it's the southeast, and they're going to stay in that wheelhouse. Muleshoe wanted to recruit the Pacific Northwest and Washington, D.C., and the Northeast, and California, and Arizona, and Nevada. And that's all fine and well, right? But you run the risk of spreading yourself too thin and not being able to develop as much of a reputation in one region or one geographic locale as you would otherwise, utilizing a philosophy the likes of which Brent Venables and this OU staff has utilized. They already have deep-rooted relationships in the Southeast. All of these players, all of these elite prospects coming up in Alabama and Georgia and Florida – They know who Brent Venables and Todd Bates are, and they don't just know who they are nominally. They've seen them around. 
proven track They've record. They've seen too. them around in the southeast, right? Yeah. The dangerous part of that game is, uh, and you know, I don't think it's super dangerous, but you're asking kids to, uh, you know, go a lot uh, longer way away from home coming to Oklahoma, but you just hope again the Sooner tradition and uh, the reputation of the Oklahoma football program and their reputation in that area will deliver a lot of those prospects. It looks to me, I'm bad analogy guy. I, I firmly admit that, uh, fully admit that rather. Um, but, it, but it seems to me that Brent Venables and this staff are building a really nice home on a very, very firm foundation, playing the long game somewhat. And Muleshoe, nice-looking house. Man, the foundation might be a little bit shaky. It looks good from the outside, though. But the foundation that they're laying down, I think, for this program is one that, that, that's going to last. Go Maybe, you know, if you go through some tough times, because, look, you're moving into a much more pricey neighborhood in the SEC, right? Uh, but I, I do like kind of their philosophy, the way they're going about building things. Now, do we 100% know what's going to work yet and pay the dividends sooner fans are hoping uh, that they see? We don't 100% know yet. But obviously, I, I kind of like the direction that they're going. And it's, it's good to see kind of a change because the Sooners have been banging their head against the wall. Uh, you know, winning Big 12 championships, all right, that got a little bit tired. It's not the best conference out there. Uh, but you, you obviously, you've got a great track record. You won six in a row. You didn't get it done this year, but you've been in the playoff, but you haven't been able to win that national championship. And again, that's what Sooner fans have an insatiable appetite for right now is winning the whole thing. Not just the league, not just going to the playoff, kicking in the door and winning that championship, national championship trophy again. All right, we have Jesse Crittenden coming up, Norman Transcript Sports Editor. We'll talk more Sooner Sports coming up at 1235. When we get back, let's zero in on Sooner Basketball next here on The Ref. Welcome back. Oh, man. I can always go for some Marshall Mathers, Eminem. Always. Did you like 8 Mile? Eight Mile. Did you watch uh, the movie Eight Mile? You've got to go back and no, watch it, man. No, I haven't. I have not watched Eight you Mile. You've got to watch Eight Mile. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is a Thursday, Sooner Basketball tonight. It'll be Oklahoma and Baylor at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Sooner Softball tonight, 7.30 against Baylor. Sooner Baseball back in action against Texas San Antonio, uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday. Again, because of the uh, weather issues we may be having tomorrow. Uh, it's not going to be ideal for baseball. So they uh, they pushed uh, – it was going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now it's just Saturday and Sunday. Single game, Saturday at 2 o'clock. Doubleheader Sunday, beginning at noon. So that's what's happening. And the OU women will play uh, tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. against Kansas. A matchup with Kansas, who came into the LNC and beat the Sooner women uh, last weekend. Oklahoma will try and get a little revenge when they play the uh, Jayhawks coming up tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. By the way, some games underway. Uh, Texas all over TCU. No! Yes. No! 40-22. Longhorns. Uh, six minutes left in uh, actually, it's almost at halftime. It's almost at halftime. And then uh, you got a matchup going on in the ACC between Syracuse and Duke. And Duke just lost at home to Carolina. They couldn't handle Brady Manick. Jim Beheim in the Orange leading 
50-43 with 17 minutes left in the game. Jim Beheim, a guy who's been coaching longer than Mike Krzyzewski, and that's very rare. Jim Beheim has been at Syracuse since what, like 1977 or something? 76, 77? Oh, a fact check you on that. His uh, his kid was in a little hot water yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Jim Beheim. He, he he can be a very sour. Dower, sour and dour individual. Yes, he can. I also loved his comment after the game when he got asked about Buddy's punch. By the way, 1976 was his first year at Syracuse. That is forever. My goodness. Man, it, t- it took I, it took my brain a second to comprehend that. that that's, that's almost cr- half a century. Forty six years, forty two for Coach K, forty six for Jim Beheim. I can remember OU, the Billy Tubbs Wayman team, going to the Carrier Dome and playing against Jim Beheim and Pearl Washington back in the day. And the Sooners went in there, and Billy had talked trash on the Big East, you know, being overrated. And Oklahoma went in there and won the game in the Carrier Dome. Was Pearl Washington the one that decked Rudy Tomjanovich? Uh, no, that was uh, Rudy. Uh, who was oh, no Rudy Tomjanovich? Uh, Kermit Washington. Kermit Washington. Kermit That's Washington. It. Yes, yes. Rudy, man, he completely rearranged the guy's face. Kermit Washington with that punch. That that's the nastiest punch in the history of the NBA, right there. Okay, so I, I, back to the original point. Jim Beheim got asked in postgame by a reporter, yo, did you see the play where your kid sucker punched a guy? And at first he was like, yeah, I, I saw it. I didn't think it was intentional. And then by the end of his comment, he was like, you can't let yourself get pushed around. Interesting. Very interesting. You know who was a sucker punch artist in college and has been considered a sucker punch artist uh, a couple times in the NBA? Grayson Allen? Uh, well, he's he's a tripping artist. Oh, okay, 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 okay. But Chris Paul. Really? Yes. At Wake Forest, you you can go back and find it on YouTube. Chris Paul punching somebody in a very sensitive uh, area when he was at Wake Forest. And also that's happened on one occasion in the NBA. And look, Oklahoma City loves Chris Paul again. They, they fell out of love when Chris Paul went to play for the Clippers and became one of the uh, leading floppers in the history of basketball. But based on what he did, first coming here with the Hornets and, you know, introducing OKC to NBA basketball, and he was tremendous, you know, that year, uh, his rookie year. And then you think about him coming back to Oklahoma City and, uh, and you know, leading that team to the playoffs and uh, being a mentor for SGA and guys like that. Uh, so Oklahoma City fans love Chris Paul, but he's had a, a bad reputation here and there. But, yeah, Syracuse up six on Duke. Remember, Coach K said the season's not over after he chastised the crowd and told him to be quiet and shut up after they lost to Carolina over the weekend. So, man, that, that could be a bad uh, – I don't know. Are you I, one of those I, people that believes, you know, if you've got a good seed, you know, do you care that much about the conference tournament or, you know. Uh, well, you know what? We'll get to ask Kendall Cout of Sikkim 365 that next hour if that's the philosophy down at Baylor because see, I don't, they don't have a lot to play for. They don't. I, I never understood, though, would you really think a college basketball team would go out with a mentality, well, yeah, yeah, we're in, we're going to be at least a two, and why do we need to prove here? We don't have nothing to prove, anything to prove. Well, I, um, I, I do don't understand know. it. I, I don't think that you enter a game with that philosophy. Now, can you maybe not be quite as fired up as, you know, playing in Oklahoma that you would be playing, you know, Kansas in the final or, you know, um, 
uh, let's see, it would be for for Baylor, uh, more than likely Texas Tech in the next round. Would you be a little more juiced up? Yes, but I don't. I, I can't imagine a team going in. You know what? We don't need this. Let's you know. Let's just go well. The here's here's what I liken it to. You know, going up, I I would play select baseball tournaments for years and years and years as a child. So, you know, you you get in these weekend tournaments, and you're the team out of the championship bracket. You end up matched up in the title game against the team that comes out of the consolation bracket, right? And the way it works is the consolation bracket champion has to beat the championship bracket winner twice in order to win the tournament. You beat the consolation team once, you win, but the consolation team has to beat you twice. So, you know, you're kind of in the catbird seat there if you're coming out of the championship bracket because you only need one, but they need two. So the philosophy always was, well, we're not going to throw our best guy right here off the bat. We'll save our best guy for round two if we need him because, you know, if we win this game with a suboptimal option on the mound, fine. If not, we know we got our meal ticket that we can hand the ball to in the second game. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's I get kind of the same philosophy. So uh, the Sooners can be fighting for their tournament lives in this game. Baylor, their tournament life is a you know, and they're in a great situation. They're going to be a high seed. They've got a chance to repeat as national champion, uh, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. And Scott Drew just won Big Twelve Coach of the Year. Uh, so we'll see. Six o'clock tonight on ESPN. Let's hear from Porter Moser. The Sooners played well in Waco. They really did. Uh, they ended up losing that game by 10, but it was closer than that. They lost by 14 in the second matchup in Norman. And keep in mind, they had a uh, one spot in that game where I believe they turned it over seven or eight times in a row. Uh, and Baylor ended up winning that game a lot more comfortably in Norman. But uh, Porter Moser knows there is a big key against Baylor for the Sooners. And uh, number one, of course, is not giving Baylor the basketball. You know, we got to take care of the ball. You know, the, the, they really, number third defense in the country. They really, really get up in you and, 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 and force you to do things and speed up. They really force you to speed up with their athleticism and length. Um, they went to switching one through five, and they're, they're going to switch Thamba on our guards, big and long. And they got Kendall Brown and Sochi, and they're just so long in there. Um, but we got to take care of the ball. It's, 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 you, you look at our game last time here, and we had 25 turnovers. And I mean, it was our first, we went through like eight possessions in a row. It seems like a turnover in the first half, and it was still 25 21 at half. So we just can't spot them so many points. They're going to turn you over, but we got to have that in a, in a, in a, in a manageable number. Yeah, the bottom line is Baylor has a lot more talent than Oklahoma. There is no doubt about that. Everybody, It's Bob Stoops, you say. Everybody knows that. But the Sooners are going to have to play their A-plus game to win this game. And Baylor, they could come with their C game and still win. So it's going to take a fanatical effort, a great shooting night. Like I said, you need to have something happen like happened in Manhattan over the weekend with Mo Gibson knocking down a bunch of threes again. Or, you know, again, Tanner Groves having a great game. And then somebody else needs to contribute. Jacob Groves, Jalen Hill, maybe Marvin Johnson does it again. Jordan Goldwire. It's going to take Oklahoma's best effort of the season to win this game. But they've got that chance. They have that chance. I, I, I give Oklahoma about a 10% chance. I think, I, think a lot, I think a lot of Oklahoma's chances ride tonight on the performance of Mo Gibson. I think, to me, there is – 
No player on either side of the ball that can impact their team's chances of winning this basketball game more so than Mo Gibson can impact the Sooners' chances. I agree. I agree. you got to get him cooking from beyond the arc. He's the one guy that can go off like and have a Steph Curry kind of half or game uh, if he really gets hot. He's got a little bit of baby Steph Curry in him. He's not nearly the ball handler that Steph Curry is. But, you know, you talk about getting to March, you talk about being the type of guy that can – just find himself on a ridiculously memorable shooting tear, the likes of which Steph Curry had for Davidson back in 2008. Mo Gibson's that kind of guy. Yeah, and uh, he's the guy that if he gets on uh, a heater tonight in this matchup, the Sooners will have a chance, again, a chance to win this game. All right, we've got Jesse Crittenden coming up. Norman Transcript Sports Editor. We'll talk about the uh, OU Baylor matchup, Pro Day, a little college football, Sooner style mixed in as well. Speaking of Sooners, great Sooner. Tim Lasher, great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, they'll do a great job for you. We are coming right back. Thursday edition of Steel Man and Thune right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, that must mean it's time to have another conversation with the Norman Transcript Sports Editor, Jesse Crittenden, joining us here on the Law Offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line. Here on this Thursday, Jesse, we appreciate your time again today. Let's talk Sooner basketball first. Uh, does does Oklahoma need a, a night like 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team? Do you believe in miracles game tonight? Uh, or do you think they can hang with Baylor uh, just if they play solid basketball and, and make some plays down the stretch? What are you thinking about this matchup tonight? I, I do I do think they can hang with Baylor. I mean, they showed that in that game they played in Waco back in January, which that game feels like it was a million years ago at this point, but they, they did hang in that game uh, for the majority majority of it before Baylor kind of pulled away. Um, it, it wasn't the same kind of game when they played in Norman a couple weeks later, but I mean, really the, the key things for them are going to be uh, limiting turnovers and, and trying to do a little bit better on, on the glass. Those were the two things that really killed them the last time they played Baylor. I mean, they turned the ball over 25 times and, uh, so I mean I I think it's easier said than done, but if they can if they can get closer on the boards and and, and keep those turnovers down, I, mean, I do think they can at least keep this game competitive. Who's the X factor tonight for Oklahoma, Jesse? On either side of the court, who's the X factor? I, I really think it, it's going to be Tanner Groves on, on the OU side of things. I mean I think I think we've just seen this year that when Tanner Groves uh, is is effective offensively that this OU team is just a different team. Uh, he only had 11 points on just six shot attempts the last time uh, that OU and Baylor played, and OU lost by 14. So, I mean, he, he shot okay. He shot four or six, um, but only six shot attempts, only got five boards. So, I mean, uh, you know, like we've talked about before, he's, he's a little bit limited in terms of creating his own shot, but if, if he can find ways to – um, to get open looks from three and to be more of a factor on the glass, uh, I think that's probably the biggest key for OU. Jesse Crittenden, our guest, Norman Transcript Sports Editor. Do you think a Baylor win gets Oklahoma in Sunday, or do you think they need more? It, it's weird. I said this to somebody the other day, but OU's kind of in a weird spot where I, I do. I think if they win, they're almost certainly in the tournament. Uh, it, I don't, that's not a guarantee, but I, I think that just gives them such a good case to get in, especially with the three wins 
um, to end the regular season. Um, but if they lose, they're, they're certainly nowhere close to a tournament berth. So they're kind of in a weird position. They're, they're facing a, an uphill battle. But I, I, I think a win really gives them a, a good argument to get in. How much of it, Jesse, do you think depends on the outcomes all across the remainder of the country? Because you see bubble teams, for instance, yesterday like Wake Forest and Xavier fall in unexpected decisions. Do you think that do you think that type of thing, you think those types of outcomes are things that Oklahoma fans should keep an eye on in the peripheral? Or do you think it's as simple as, hey, you win tonight, you're in regardless of what goes on across the rest of the country? No, that's a really good point, and that's why, I mean, just because they beat Baylor tonight does not mean they're 100% in. I do think there's there would still be some wiggle room to leave them out, which, uh, like you mentioned, kind of brings in some of the importance of other of other teams that are kind of fighting for, uh, you know, one of those last spots in the tournament. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think they, they control their own destiny, and it's hard to know exactly how it all plays out. A win against Baylor – you know, makes it really close, but I think, like you mentioned, some of those other teams, some of those other bubble teams could also end up making the difference as well, even with a win tonight. All right, let's transition into football. Uh, I, I'm not sure, Jesse, how long that you had to cover the the Lincoln-Riley, uh, you know, regime, the Muleshoe regime here in Norman, but I, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Parker. What are the uh, the differences you see at least early on between Brent staff and his approach and the the old way that Lincoln Riley and company went about their business? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think I mean we we got to we got the chance to talk to um, Venable staff um, you know for the first time last week and uh, I, I don't know I I think there was I think there was just a sense of of I don't know, togetherness and chemistry um, uh, from this staff uh, that, that kind of, not, not that surprised me, but that was really my big takeaway uh, from talking to these uh, new guys. I mean, Miguel Chavis and, and Todd Bates. Uh, I mean, there were just a couple of names, for example. I just, I, I think, I think it, it, there's, a, there's a couple more people that are kind of, you know, in the inner circle of things making decisions. Um, outside of Brent Venables, and and I just think that when I look at this this group of assistants, they, they make sense. And um, I, like I mentioned earlier, it's just I, I think the chemistry among this group is is really what stood out to me most. Jesse, obviously the Sooners had nine performers, well, no, ten performers, excuse me, yesterday at Pro Day. Perion Winfrey and Delarian Turner-Yell sat out, and I understand that all things considered, it was rather nondescript in terms of what guys did, didn't do. We didn't see anything that really shook the world with regard to anybody's draft stock, but what were some of your bigger takeaways from yesterday at Pro Day? Uh, Yeah, I, I I think the biggest thing for me in terms of in terms of anyone that may have improved their draft stock, uh, was Jeremiah Hall, um, who who uh, did better at OU Pro Day in his forty, um, in his twenty yard shuttle. Um, just just those couple areas alone, I think, showed some improvements from his from his uh, combine performance. And I think Jeremiah Hall is kind of a guy that um, he's he's kind of a unique player in terms of. I mean, he he played a lot of different roles. At OU, at OU, he lined up 
some as a as a fullback, some as an H back, some as a tight end. He even uh, took some carries as a running back, and he's you know he's kind of a guy that's versatile, but he he doesn't have elite athleticism. Um, you know, isn't going to blow you away with his speed or anything like that. So I I think you know he kind of he kind of pro- projects as a as a late round pick. And I think it was important for him yesterday to, you know, show at least a little bit more when it came to speed and, and quickness and things like that. So I think ultimately in terms of improving draft stock, that was one of the bigger takeaways for me. Who do you think could be a sleeper? Everybody's talking about Nick Benito and, and Perion Winfrey, obviously. Who do you think could be a sleeper uh, among that group? that could end up making some plays and being a, a player that surprises people at the next level? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I think uh, Mike Woods um, is the guy that stands out to me. You know, I, I think it's, we didn't get to see him a ton. Um, this, you know, his, his one and only year at OU, I mean, he, I mean, he only had, uh, I think, a little more than 30 catches on the year. But I think he kind of fell victim in some ways to just the, the offensive issues we saw as a whole from this team last year. Um, I think he's, I think he has really good speed um, and athleticism. I I think he has decent hands and, and I think he showed some things um, yesterday where, I mean, he kind of talked about it afterwards. I I think, I think he can play outside. I think he can play inside. And, and I really think if, if the offense had been more to what we thought it, you know, it could be, I think he would have been a better, a bigger, you know, benefactor of that. So I think he's a guy that stands out to me. And then um, Delarian Turner Yell too. I think I think is a guy that you know it's hard to really project exactly what he can be. Um, but as far as any sleepers on the defensive side of the ball, that's probably who I would point to. Jesse, thank you. We'll check in with you get, uh, again soon. We appreciate your time today. Thank you guys very much. Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript, sports editor. By the way, Riverwind Casino, Thursday night, 8K. So sweet to be elite if you have an elite card on select Thursdays. Elite members earn one entry for every 10 points in their wild card. Be out there on Thursdays, those big Thursdays from 5 to 8.30. They'll be holding drawings every 30 minutes for up to $8,000 in cash or bonus play. Then at 9 o'clock, two grand prize winners will receive a $1,000 bonus play plus any unclaimed cash we also have the big eighty thousand dollar courtside cash promotional drawing happening tomorrow night at riverwind uh you know i think we're going to be all right weather wise i don't think we're going to have ice or anything so i think the roads by the time they start that promotional drawing are probably going to be okay i'm not planning on doing anything from home tomorrow i think it's going to be okay let's hope the roads are okay yeah. because i got hawaiian bros waiting for me there in you Dallas go yeah. tomorrow evening that's so. what that's what you said yesterday you're going to go uh, get that done so get out there tomorrow night as well for the eighty thousand dollar courtside cash promotional drawing at riverwind casino win your share of eighty thousand dollars in cash and bonus play it is big time. You can have a great meal at Chips and Ales or the River Buffet on steak night. They've got a great food court. They just added an IHOP out there. It's Riverwind. You know, they do things only first class. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. All right. Coming back, uh, an emotional coach last night we'll hear from when we return. Back with you on a Thursday. Good to have you along. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 
1-888-351-3439. Thanks again to the Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Give them a call, 405-579-3113. They'll do a great job for you. We've used them a couple times, and they have done fantastic work at our place. Tim Lasher, man, he's great sooner. Got a great company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. So, uh, Kansas State, uh, Going to be looking for a new basketball coach because Bruce Weber resigned. He was going to be uh, let go. Uh, remember back in the uh, 2018 NCAA tournament, Kansas State got to the Elite Eight that year. And you know who uh, sent him packing? Porter Moser and Loyola that is Chicago. Correct. The, well, they uh, sent UMBC packing. Because UMBC. We, uh, Bruce Weber should have been yeah. fired for that. Well, and UMBC, of course, beat Virginia, and that's how that kind of that opened the door wide open in that regional. I think it was the South Regional, and they beat Creighton. So they beat Porter Moser's alma mater, right, in the first round. Bruce Weber declared war on America by beating UMBC. Yes, and then they went on. They beat Kentucky in the Sweet 16, and uh, then they lost to the all right, Ramblers, let's get rambling, uh, Loyola of Chicago. In uh, in the Elite Eight, but uh, Bruce Weber, after they lost to West Virginia in uh, in the play-in game last night in the Big Twelve tournament, they lose that game by six, and he was already on very thin ice. And uh, Kansas State, he resigned officially this morning, uh, and you could tell he was asked last night about his job status, whether he thought he'd have any chance to come back. And Bruce Weber, I, I, this soundbite, man, it, it got to me this morning. I'm like, you got to remember these coaches, and, and Bruce Weber's always had that very uh, different kind of voice. He doesn't sound like a basketball coach, you know, that, that would be yelling at you a lot, and he probably does, but he's always had that different kind of voice. But, man, he got emotional last night. Here's what Bruce Weber had to say when he was asked that question. Uh, what do you think about your job status and if you'll be coming back? Wow. There you go. Yeah, and uh, you could tell, obviously, he, he knew. He knew he wasn't coming oh, he back. Knew. He so, um, but, um, man, it's uh, sometimes we, you know, forget where these guys come from. And he said he spent so much time with Gene Cady. Uh, worked his way up through Gene Cady, who was at Western Kentucky before he went to Purdue and became, you know, the legendary comb-over Gene Cady and a great coach. But, uh, you know, Bruce Weber, a decade at K-State. Now we're hearing, uh, you know, that Greg Marshall might be a candidate there. Really? Interesting. That does not seem like a cultural fit at it Kansas does, State. Well, I mean, the sense of the guy's choking guys and punching guys and why he was dismissed at Wichita State. And look, he had he did a great job at Wichita State. I mean, you think about Fred Van Vliet and Ron Baker and the teams he had there. It it it, it won't be it won't be Greg Marshall at Kansas State. That's the easiest you, you hot board name to throw out at this you can't point. Make that higher, right? Just because of the Kansas connection. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Let's go for the let's go for the in state. Guy who has done some nice things as a basketball. No, no, it's not going to be Greg Marshall. Like I said, that is a terrible cultural fit at a place like Kansas State. Greg Marshall will not be the head basketball coach at Kansas State. I don't know who it's going to be at this point. I think it's way too early to have a genuine idea of who it might be. But I, I would be willing to bet just about anything that Greg Marshall will not be in contention for that job. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if that happened. I just, uh, you know, it's not like trying to bring in Art Bryles because you've seen uh, the furor that uh, erupts anytime Art Bryles gets a job. But Greg Marshall, I mean, look, that that was that was horrible, 
Horrible deal. So we'll see what's going to happen at K-State. How about the return of Lon Kruger to K-State? Second time around. That would be – okay, that actually would be awesome. (laughs) I would be a 1,000% down if Lon Kruger wanted to make his final farewell with a few years at Kansas State. You know what? I think Lon is probably enjoying Vegas quite a bit with that beautiful home they have out there and playing golf as much as he likes to play golf. I I think Lon is – uh, in a good spot right now in his life, and I don't, I don't think he'll be coaching again. He'll uh, get a call though. You know he will. You know you had. Uh, let's see, K State. Who they had since Jack Hartman? They had Lon. They had Bob Huggins. You had Frank Martin. You had Bruce Weber. Am I leaving anybody else out? I don't think so. Uh, I'd have to go ahead and Google it up. But yeah, um, emotional stuff right there, no doubt from uh, Bruce Weber. Again, who is uh, out of the job. Hey, we were talking about this during the break. Tulsa's coming open. Frank Haith again. Uh, Bruce Weber. That might be a good hire for Case uh, for Tulsa. Uh, you know, maybe they'd go a, a younger w- route, you know, but uh, that's going to be happening. So we'll see what's going to happen. We've we got to get Kelly Hines on to talk about that uh, and see what, what they're going to end up doing. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's a Thursday. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do a great job for you, and we thank them for sponsoring our first hour. We've got another hour to go. We'll also talk some Sooner softball next hour, a lot more football, and preview OU Baylor. All that coming up here on The Ref. Stay with us. Okay, welcome in. If you're just joining us, thank you very much. It is our second hour presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Exit 72, great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, we've got uh, Kendall Couts coming up. Uh, Sikkim 365 will be joining us at 135 to preview the uh, Oklahoma-Baylor basketball matchup tonight at 6 o'clock in Kansas City. Let me see what's happening. Uh, Yeah, yeah, speaking of college basketball, Mike, (laughs) Jim Beheim really went, okay, you want to suspend my my kid? I'll just let my other kid go crazy on you. Young Jimmy Beheim has 26 points and is 6 from 7. Six of seven from three-point range. Syracuse trails Duke 78-77 to 77 Just with over, four minutes yeah, to go. There, it's right there. Texas, meanwhile, it's now a seven-point advantage for the Longhorns uh, in their matchup with TCU right now in Kansas City. 52-45 Texas uh, midway through the second half in that game, which will be followed by the uh, 2 o'clock game coming up between West Virginia and Kansas. Then the evening session tonight, the Sooners and Baylor. Uh, 6 o'clock on ESPN, and then the uh, late game, Iowa State and Texas Tech at around 8.30 or so. Okay, you obviously are on top of recruiting. That's what you do. Um, And uh, Tyler's big into it as well. So give me three big storylines for recruiting right now after the week that was this past weekend and looking ahead to March 26th, which is going to be the next big weekend for OU. Yeah, storyline number one is that weekend. You're going to have a wealth of four- and five-star visitors on campus across the 2023 class, the 2024 class, and you'll have a 2025 visitor as well, LaMason Waller out of the state of California. Um, So I would say that's easily storyline number one. Storyline number two, I would say, has to be the LT Overton saga. Uh, 
He's visiting Oregon this week. Oklahoma's going to get the last official visit from the Overton brothers on April 23rd for the spring game. You figure Oklahoma's in a pretty good position here, and you also figure that Texas A&M is going to do everything in their power to make sure the Overtons never make it to campus in Norman. They're going to do their best to make sure that visit, that spring game visit, does not happen. Because at this point, this is a battle between Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Oklahoma has the upper hand in the sense that they will get the final impression. They will get to ch- they will get the chance to make the final impression on the Overtons. Texas A&M has a leg up in the sense that their 2022 class is darn near immaculate, Mike. And LT and Makaya are going to have the opportunity to be a part of that outstanding class. And that's something that Jimbo Fisher and his staff are going to pitch heavily is, hey, not only do you get the chance to be a part of the best recruiting class in history, but we're building something special down here at College Station. Come be a part of it. Now, I have my feelings on just how special things are going to actually turn out to be at Texas A&M, but we'll save those judgments for when the fall rolls around. I would say the third biggest storyline has to be the recruitment of David Stone. Of course, he recently received his fifth star. He's an early five-star in the class of 2024, native of Midwest City, Oklahoma, and is the state of Oklahoma's first IMG enrollee. Now, David Stone is very, very high on the University of Oklahoma. He is visiting campus later this month, and there is a growing expectation that on or near that visit, he's going to give his commitment to Oklahoma. Now, if that happens and you already have a five-star in the class of 2024 who's going to make every effort to build the remainder of the class around him, you are set up so well for the next year and a half on the recruiting trail, Mike, as you look ahead to that class of 24, and Oklahoma's already in premier position for several of those outstanding high-end prospects from the Florida area, from the Georgia area. But having a local boy that lives, breathes, and bleeds Oklahoma football and is 100% bought into the vision, bought into the staff, bought into the culture, and bought into the program. That is the type of guy that you want to have in your corner early. So if Oklahoma can lock down David Stone by the end of March, which I think is a possibility, oh boy. I think the conversation that we've breached a couple times about the Sooners potentially having the number one class in the country in the class of 2024, that's going to start to get really, really legitimized over the next few months. Does it make any difference that he is at IMG now and will not be playing next season at Dell City? Does that open the recruiting up maybe more for somebody else to swoop in? Or no. does, it, does it make any no, no difference I do at not. all? No, I do not think so. Yeah, it's well, obviously, if you're a Sooner fan, you love to see that because if you're going to IMG, uh, you know, they, they don't just take anybody there. You know, they, they think you've got a, a really good future if you're playing – at IMG, what what is the latest on the Dylan Edwards kid? He went to Arkansas, right? And what do we what do we know there? Anything? No, no. Is there is there an Oklahoma appears, offer on the way? Or what? well, he's got the Oklahoma offer. He's got the offer, right? It Who? appears to be wide open. Hmm. His recruitment appears to be as wide open as it ever was now, which is bizarre, because it looked for all the world like Oklahoma was the spot for Dylan Edwards. 
And then all of a sudden he's got the A&M offer. He's visiting College Station, just took a trip to Arkansas. And you start to get the sense that maybe this thing is far from a lock. And I, I would go so far as to assert that, yes, his recruitment is now completely wide open once again. I'm not even sure whether he'd he'd still classify himself as leaning toward Oklahoma, but again, that is a recruitment that it's been difficult to get information on because he keeps things so close to the vest, even with people around him in his immediate circle. How early did the Oklahoma offer come in his recruiting process? Well, it came on his visit in January. Okay. So was it before a lot of the other programs got involved or was Oklahoma just right there in the mix? I'm trying to figure if the Oklahoma offer, you know, kind of set off some other programs to come in and make the offers too. Because uh, as you said, you know, he's got a lot more coming in. Dylan Edwards is the kid, uh, the speedster from Kansas, that could be like a Darren Sproles kind of guy. Uh, for whoever he signs with. But I know that you and a bunch of other people thought, that, yeah, he's going to wind up at Oklahoma. Now uh, it is more of, well, maybe he's going to end up at Oklahoma, right? Kind of the way you're looking at it? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. And, you know, I think what we're going to start to see over the next couple of months is there – and I think the Dylan Edwards situation is one of – the most perfect case studies into the ramifications of the new recruiting philosophy at Oklahoma, where Venables and his staff say, if you commit, you're not going anywhere else. Because I think if Dylan Edwards, like if he had the understanding from the Oklahoma staff that he couldn't show up and commit and then go take other visits, that might have scared him off or maybe at least caused him to take a step back. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how it plays out. But Texas A&M uh, just signed an unbelievable class, as you talked about. And look, some of the uh, A&M stuff I actually like, some of their traditions, because they're out there, man. Now, we don't have the bonfire anymore. That's been gone for a long time now uh, after they had the, the tragedy there. But, you know, midnight yell practice and all of that stuff, it's, it's, it's very cultish at Texas A&M. I wonder – and look, I know that A&M's got a ton of money. They've got great facilities. They have a 100,000-seat stadium. They've got a lot of things going for them. But, man, I, you really have to commit to that culture there, too, also, which is very bizarre. Even though I like it, but I like it from afar. Is this A&M's money, facilities? Are they buying players? Is this Jimbo Fisher? Why are so many of the uh, the great athletes, you know, going to A&M? There are theories, Mike. I'm, I'm not here to speculate on which of those theories I buy into, but there are theories. Look, and, and I totally get that A&M's going to get some good players. I mean, you just look at some of the pass rushers they've had. They had Johnny Manziel was a Heisman winner, obviously, but you Vaughn Miller and uh, Miles Garrett and guys like that, they've, they've got an interesting tradition. And they Again, they're one of those schools that think a little highly of themselves, I think, based on what they've achieved. But there are a lot of things there. But that is totally a culture that not everybody wants to be a part of, you know? Because you're like, I, I can just seem like, man, this, you know, nice facilities and everything, but, man, these people are crazy too, you know. But I don't know. I'd, I'd just be interested to see how that's going to play out down the road. Uh, it turns out that Jimbo Fisher's been a good hire for him, for uh, A&M. 
Yeah, he's been a really good hire. Yeah. Like, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's got one of the best jobs in college football right now because Texas A&M has never won anything of significance in college football. Yeah, and, and Texas being down, obviously, and who knows if Texas is ever going to be back, uh, you know, to old Texas. I don't know. But, uh, you know, A&M was uh, – you still think they were winning some recruiting battles back when R.C. Slocum was there, even Dennis Francione, even though the Sooners, you know, beat him 77 to nothing. Uh, so I'm not saying that A&M doesn't have anything to offer, but when you see this many big-time five-star blue-chip prospects in one class like that, I don't, it's – it's like that song, uh, things that make you go, hmm, you know? <laughs> well, and the reason I say that about Texas A&M being such a great job for Jimbo Fisher is, you know, it's the same reason why Oklahoma State is such a great job for a head coach. And that's not, not to say that Mike Gundy isn't a good coach or that he doesn't deserve that opportunity or hasn't for as long as he's been there. But <laughs> when the expectations from your fan base – are not absurdly high year to year, you don't have to do a whole lot to keep people satisfied. What did did A and M win seven or eight games this past year? They were eight year? and four. Eight and four. But they beat Alabama. They beat right? Alabama. So everybody's hanging their hat on that. Like I said, there there are a lot of things uh that that I actually think are kind of cool about A and M. I've been to a midnight ill practice, believe it or not. Really? Yes. It, I were you gonna walk on there? No 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 no. It's a long story. But uh I feel like we got to hear the story when I, we come back from break. It, it, it was an ex-girlfriend who went to Texas A&M. Oh, so okay. She well. said you, they came to Norman. She said, you want to go to midnight yell practice? So I said, yeah, okay, sure. And it was it was very uh, different. But um, I, I don't know. I, I like it from the outside looking in because they're so unique in what they do, and they're a little bit insane there. But just being there and actually, you know, being around that kind of environment every day seems a little frightening to me. All right, we'll take a break right here. We are going to be talking about the Sooners-Baylor matchup. We'll update you on the college basketball scoreboard. And you know what we need to do? We need to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. What is the strangest, weirdest fan base that drives you crazy? We'll get your answers when we get back right here on The Ref. Uh, the actual rush is coming up at 3 o'clock today, right after locked in at 2 o'clock with Parker and uh, Tyler McComas. Welcome back on a Thursday. You can always bring me any rush bumper you want. I, I like it. I like it a lot. By the way, uh, Driver, I know you're out there. Uh, you've been a longtime listener. Thank you. Driver uh, texted me a link to a story that, about Muleshoe's new mansion out in California. Don't need it. Thank you. What are you trying to do to me? Are you trying to incite an old man to go crazy on the air? You saw it, Parker, right? Muleshoe's $17 million mansion that he uh, apparently has purchased out there. Oh, who uh, hasn't seen it at this point? I I know. I don't need to see that. I don't need to see it. It's, It's really nice. Do you want to give gasoline and matches to an arsonist? No, I don't need to see what Lincoln Riley is spending all his big liberal California pansy running from the SEC money on. All right? Don't need to see it. Him making that move makes a little more sense now that I've seen that house. Look, I look, I get it. I get it. I get 
parts of it. Uh, like I said, my only problem is I thought there were a lot of uh, there was a lot of shadiness involved. I didn't like the exit. And when you leave, I understand it's never going to be a clean break. It just isn't. But I still thought that was super. That wasn't slim shady. That was very, very much full shady. That's all. I, I get maybe that he wants his own program. I get that Lincoln Riley, you know, was handed the keys to OU, and maybe in some roundabout way, maybe he'll never fully get credit. I do think his ego is a lot bigger than we thought, and there's some narcissism there. But so I get a lot of it. I just don't like the exit. The exit was very low class, very very low class, and you don't do that to the University of Oklahoma. You just don't. We want to we want to get an update from the uh, world of March Madness here. Yep, let's do it. Well, I suppose Champ Week. It's not tex- technically March Madness yet, but that'll at least get us off the mule shoe conversation. Uh, fortunately for the Sooners, it appears that Providence is going to halt a potential bid thief. Butler. Butler. Mm-hmm. Butler led for most of that game. Providence got a three pointer from Al Durham in the final minute. To give them the lead, there is currently one second remaining. Providence has a four-point lead, 65-61. That one looks like a wrap. TCU has made a comeback, Mike. One-point game. One-point game with Texas, 54-53. to And uh, let's see what else What else there is to uh, report on. Duke put away Syracuse, 88-79, to despite 28 points from Jimmy Bayheim. So the Orange can... Kiss their hopes of a tournament berth goodbye. And uh, that's that looks like about it. All that would be pertinent to Oklahoma fans. Another game with some bubble implications. Florida, Texas A&M currently knotted at 70 with 14 seconds to play. So that might be worth go. keeping an eye on as well. So Coach K survives. Like I said, I, I think I mentioned this last week because with all the hoopla surrounding uh, the Carolina Duke game and Coach K's last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, and Brady Manick was the man. Brady Manick, uh, you know, sent Coach K packing with an L. Uh, you know, last home game there in Durham, North Carolina at Cameron Indoor. But uh, <laughs> Coach K, you know, he's always kind of got that nasally voice a little bit. Um, the one thing that I still remember most about a Coach K press conference, and I can't remember if it was an NCAA tournament game or what, but there, I think it was. It was a big game that Bobby Hurley. You, they all of a sudden Bobby Hurley is sprinting back, like to the locker room, and the camera gets a cutaway shot of that. And then he eventually he comes back, you know, later in the game, and they ask Coach K, you know, what was the deal with Bobby Hurley? All of a sudden he just left, and then he's back, you know, later. What was the deal? Was he injured? What's the deal? And it was like, well, maybe I shouldn't say this, but uh, Bobby had diarrhea. Yeah, you're right. You shouldn't say that, And Coach I'm like, K. again, if I'm Bobby Hurley, I'm like, hey, what, what are you doing to me here, man? Come on. You just ratted me out. You're the Sammy the Bull Gravano of college basketball now. You just should have said Bobby wasn't feeling well. Bobby, you know, just he was dehydrated, whatever. You don't say that and admit that. So if I was Bobby Hurley, I wouldn't have given Coach K credit for anything after he did that to me in a press conference. So, anyway. Okay. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions Tax Line, 405-651-3439. Since we were talking about Texas A&M, and I I find the Texas A&M fan base both fascinating and bizarre and almost cultish, 
what fan base out there drives you the most crazy? Or you look at and go, man, that's just a weird group. Is there anyone for you, Parker? Arkansas is up there. Calling the Hogs? Texas A&M is certainly up there. I See, I would still put a LSU is very high on that list. Those are just low-down, dirty scumbag fans at LSU. They're kind of like the Tech fans. Right? How, okay, okay. Hey, hey, let me let me ask you this: If Texas Tech is indeed the glorified junior college of the Big Twelve, what is LSU? LSU just—they're uh, just nasty people. Most of them, most of them. I'm just saying they're not. Well, yes, they are bad people. And <laughs> the, there is the only fan base that has ever spat on the OU fan base collectively was that group of LSU hooligans in New Orleans. When uh, that Nick Saban team, I mean, it was ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. But Arkansas, I kind of find the, uh, I, I like the calling of the hogs. I like the hog hat. So the, I, I don't have any issue with the Arkansas fan base. I like, I like the Razorbacks. A&M, like I said, man, I, I think, man, there's no fan base like that, really, that does, has that many kind of out there traditions and you know the where you think is this is a is this really a military school or these well, you know what is the what what is the deal it's just kind of like it's just bizarre to me but nebraska fans are pretty insufferable nebraska fans i've always really liked though because they're so hey, I, i'll say so this. loyal man yeah i'll say this in person nebraska fans are very tolerable on social media they're the worst like that's one and by the way bruce weber said in his resignation letter, I guess, he said, listen, Kansas State's the only school I've been at where I actively discourage our recruits from interacting with our fans on social media because they're that bad and there's so much negativity. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel about Nebraska. Because like Kansas State, in person, Kansas State people are super nice. Like, very agreeable, easy to get along with. I respect Kansas State's fan base on any given game day when I'm just – they're interacting with people. The K-State fans On social are, media, mm-hmm. I understand that social media brings out the worst in oh, everybody. Yeah. yeah. But apparently it's particularly bad at Kansas State, and it's definitely particularly bad at Nebraska. Well, Nebraska fans, man, they are so brokenhearted right now. They used to be living in the, in the most posh neighborhood in college football. They were right there, you know? Right there in that neighborhood where all the beautiful houses were, and now they're basically in a double wide, right? Yeah. And, and they can't take it. And but I've always thought the Nebraska fans, for the most part, and again, you, you can't judge a fan base by social media because a, a lot of absolutely sane, normal people just read that stuff and laugh and don't participate. But the a lot of the the people who are just really fanatics in all caps will get on there. Uh, and you know some people. We all know some people that man. That guy's he's drink uh, he's drunk tweeting again. You can always tell. Duh. And there are, I know too many. Of those guys. There are a few of those in the media, but there are a ton of those. You know, in a fan base for any college program. All right. Uh, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. But here in a little bit, we're going to get to some of your texts uh, today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Which uh, college football or in just college uh, athletics fan base uh, do you think is uh, crazy? 
you know, uh, or are you fascinated by? 405-651-3439. What is the one about IMG? There's one on there about IMG. Oh, are we looking at the text line here? Yeah, I was. there was one about a false statement on first IMG enrollee. There, Apparently, hmm. there's a kid from Altus that played Altus. one year at IMG as a running back. Sorry, Altus. Yeah. Regional pronunciations. Hmm. Um, I okay, but wh- where where is he now? That's what I would love to know. Tavon Birdow, okay. And was I'll was was, was he ranked? I don't know. I guess I should make the distinction. David Stone, to my knowledge, is the first nationally ranked football player from the state of Oklahoma ever to enroll at IMG. He went to Air Force. Air Force. And uh in fact his last year there was uh two thousand eighteen. So okay. there you go. Out of Altus. Interesting. Makes sense since there's a big uh, Air Force base there in Altus, of course. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we are going to be talking about the OU Baylor matchup tonight. We have a Kendall Couts of Sikkim 365 joining us. And we will also talk a little Baylor football if we get a chance. That's coming up right here on the ref. Keep it here. All right, welcome back. Good to have you along Thursday. Get a little uh, snow coming in uh, tomorrow. Looks like it's going to be pretty light, though, as long as we don't have to deal with ice. Again, as long as I can make it to Hawaiian Bros in Dallas. That's all I require. You're going to uh, the Dallas location rather than the Yukon location? I'll probably go to the Denton location because, ah. you know, it's right out that. I guess it's Loop 288 in Denton, which, by the way, Teddy Lehman is exactly right. Denton is a terrible city to drive in. Oh it is my, so it's poorly the worst. designed. I mean, it is the worst. You talk about traffic jams and service roads and just yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare. As as fast as I can get through Denton, that's usually the uh, I, I I take the B line, which I guess takes me on or near Loop at 288, which there's a Hawaiian Bros location there, so that's where I'll be having dinner on my there way you down. Go, to man, Houston. you are dedicated. The minute you heard about these other locations, you uh, you pretty much booked your trip right away. Yeah, by the way, you know who else is dedicated is our next guest, Kendall Cout of Sikkim 365, whom I have been told is Jared Butler's favorite rider of all time. Really? Now, our usual correspondent for all things Baylor, Drake Toll, is apparently in Cancun right now. Mm, I was texting him yesterday saying if he'd jump on the show, and he sent he sent me one of those voice memo texts. Yeah. It was basically was like, look, I'm jumping on a catamaran at or around 1 a.m. Eastern time or 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow, and I don't know what my level of sobriety is going to be, so here's Kendall's information. Yeah, you don't need to get – if you book a guy who's on vacation and you actually let him say yes, that's your problem. Right? That's not his problem. Yeah, we can't do that. That's one of our rules here. If someone's on vacation, we call them and say, I'm on vacation, but I'll be glad to come home. And you say, no, 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 no. Enjoy your vacation. We'll do it down the road. All right, uh, so let's bring Kendall in. And, uh, Kendall, the Sooners and Baylor tonight, 6 o'clock in Kansas City. This Baylor squad, you know, you look at what's happening with this Baylor team. There was that beatdown that Baylor had in Allen Fieldhouse in uh, earlier in the month but since then uh baylor has won seven of eights and appears to be playing some pretty good basketball despite the injuries and other issues that have uh that have you know uh haunted this team maybe a little bit what are you thinking about where baylor is right now i think they're in a good spot i appreciate being on as i try and battle the tcu band being louder than i can ever find anywhere in uh t-mobile arena 
Uh, but I think as it comes to Baylor, they've been really good down the stretch. They figured out how to play Jeremy Sohan at the five. Jonathan Chamochachua played quite well against Oklahoma in the second meeting. Obviously, he's out for the season, so if you're OU, you have a little bit of confidence that it's a little bit different matchup, but this is a lot better team than it was in that beat down in Allen Fieldhouse as you framed it. Now, Kendall, if we put together a March Madness bracket, a field of 68, of legendary college basketball names, where would Jonathan Chamochachua be seated? Uh, he's definitely a one seed. Uh, if there are better names, I don't know what they are. It's kind of funny. Davion Mitchell played with him for two years after Jonathan had the redshirt year, didn't even know how to spell the second letter in his last name. So that tells you how legendary he is. All right. Uh, so, again, the Sooners and Baylor tonight at 6 o'clock. Baylor won the first meeting in Waco by 10, won the second meeting in Norman uh, by 14. The Sooners turned it over 25 times in that game. Uh, you know, everybody is looking. At, there was a narrative out there, believe it or not, uh, early in Scott Drew's career that, man, this guy, I don't know, he's got a lot of talent, man. He just can't coach, he can't coach him up enough. I think the narrative has changed on Scott Drew now. Uh, just won Big 12 Coach of the Year, just won a national championship. How beloved is he in Waco, Texas right now? He kind of runs the town. Uh, there's nobody that really gives the old narrative of Scott Drew can't coach or get him out of here. I would say if you pulled Baylor fans, you never get 100% approval on anything. But you kind of challenge that, might get it for him. Now, Kendall, give us the scouting report from the Baylor perspective heading into this game tonight. If there's one guy on the Oklahoma basketball roster that you're worried about from Baylor's end of things. Who is that guy? I think normally it's Tanner Groves, and I think it especially is tonight. Jeremy Sohan and Flo Samba will have to defend him more than they did in traditional matchups, given his ability to put the ball on the floor and shoot and how he's picked up some fouls, especially that game in Allen Fieldhouse against KU for OU. I think he's the guy you're most worried about because Baylor's only going to play a seven-man rotation. You can't get either of those big men in foul trouble, and Tanner Groves is capable of doing that. Give me an evaluation of Matthew Myers' year. Uh, he's so intriguing because he's nearly 6'10". He looks like an NBA guy. He will be an NBA guy, but uh, give me a, a report on the year that he's had. So he's been a little disappointing in terms of shooting. He shot over 40% from three last season. I think he's at about 32 right now. Came back thinking he could vault himself into the first round. That certainly hasn't happened. But at the same time, Matt Myers had a good year defensively. Evan Meyer runs the advanced statistical website. According to Evan Maya, Matt Meyer most of the year has been a top-10 player. Now, I don't agree with those stats and say he's that good, but his defense has improved a lot. He's very good in the minutes that he's played. He's really enjoyed the heck out of himself in Waco. Gets to see his family. Girlfriend lives in town. So he's somebody, though, that's scary because he hasn't had that game this season where he scored 30. But with how talented he is, you feel like it's coming sometime. Now, there is a sentiment on the Baylor end, Kendall, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. There is a sentiment that maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing if Baylor lost this game tonight, just because they're not playing for a whole heck of a lot. They're locked into a top-two seed in March Madness, regardless of the outcome. They've been a little banged up, and a couple extra days of rest heading into March Madness might do this team some good. Uh, where does your philosophy fall in line with that particular line of thinking? So I agree with that philosophy. I don't think it's the worst thing if Baylor wins. I don't want to have Baylor play OU, then play a bad a battle with Tech, and then have a battle with KU. But Baylor takes the opposite perspective. I talked to multiple people in the program. They're coming to win, so no spin zone here. If Baylor loses to OU, it's a legitimate loss. Go wild on Twitter, Sooner fans. There's no spin zone. Baylor's trying to win this game tonight. 
right, real quick before we let you go, I know you're covering hoops, but i got to get a thought on Dave Aranda winning a Big 12 championship. The job that he's done has been uh, spectacular. And uh, with Oklahoma and Texas headed the SEC, Baylor, uh, and maybe Baylor and Oklahoma State competing for the uh, you know best new program or the uh, program that could uh, maybe dominate the uh, the Big Twelve in the future. Uh, thoughts on Dave Aranda and what's going on with Baylor football because it certainly looks bright right now. Yeah, Scott Drew is the president of Waco right now. Dave Aranda is the vice president. He mentioned in press conferences he's a little unusual, a little strange. You hear him talk about the Berenstein Bears. Uh, so Aranda's real popular. He's the guy Baylor needs. Matt Rule was in Waco for about eight minutes, and on minute nine, he said, i got to start looking for NFL jobs. Dave Aranda's not the same kind of cat. He's who Baylor needs. I think he's going to do well going forward. Yeah, it was interesting, uh, Kurt, last year going, you know, and going through the press conferences and always cutting audio. I'm like, man, I can't get anything from Dave Aranda that's not like a three-minute answer to something or where it's like he's just a robot, but the guy can coach like crazy. There is no doubt about that. Uh, hey, Kurt, we appreciate your time. Know you're busy covering the tournament. Thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us. Have fun uh, at the game tonight. All right. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. I think I just called him Kurt. It's you, did, you did call him Kurt. I'm yes. sorry. Well, he's well. Jeez, I had some old man on. Man, he kept calling me Kurt. Did I call him Kurt twice? I think I did. It's Kendall. Please apologize to him. For yes, it. I will. Just say, hey, the old man. He's a few years away from a rest home. Don't mind him. All right. He's going to be eating cream <laughs> corn and and applesauce in a couple years. Yes, please apologize to him. That's really bad. I, I will do so on your behalf. Okay. He's probably thinking, yeah, it's good, good conversation, though. Can you believe this dude kept calling me Kurt? I mean, should I have said something? But, yeah, I think he was really old and stupid. Yeah, he kept calling me Kurt. I, what was I supposed to do? Jeez. I feel really bad now. Nobody's fault but mine, yes. A very underrated Zeppelin song. There really aren't any bad Zeppelin songs, but this one is still, in my opinion, underrated, and that that's all my fault right there. All of it was my fault. Kurt. Jeez, we'll be right back. Texas has been defeated, Mike Steely. Oh, TCU coming back and knocking out the horns. Chris Beard and the Longhorns choked away a 20-point first-half lead. Good Lord! 65-60 TCU. How about that right there? Man. There you go. There you go. Texas outscored 43-20 in the second half, Parker. How about that, man? Jamie Dixon's done a really good job of that TCU Jamie Dixon... Entered one of the most unwinnable situations in college basketball and has done the unthinkable. He's actually won. By the way, (laughs) I can't sit very well with Chris Beard and the Longhorns heading into March because they'll get in the tournament, sure, but yeah, how how can you figure that team's poised to make a deep run? Man, outscored again 43 to 20 in the second half. TCU rallies and beats Texas 65-60 at uh, the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Uh did you apologize to uh 
Kindle? I me? did. Uh, he said I would. I couldn't get to a quiet spot, so honestly, I didn't really hear it. I didn't really hear you call me Kurt anyway. So okay, good, good, good. Because I uh, feel really stupid. We go- we should go right to the Air Comfort Solutions tax line and just read them all because we got a bunch of them rolling in. Uh, so again, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Let me remind you to join the Ref Sports Radio Network for the 21st annual 68-team giveaway. Next Monday from noon to 7 at Buffalo Wild Wings and more, just off I-35 right there on the service road. Come out, see uh, all the guys in person, register for the drawing. You have a chance to get one of the 68 teams and win some amazing March Madness prizes from Central Oklahoma Buick JMC or GMC, uh, JR's Barbecue, Extreme Outdoor Equipment, Buffalo Wild Wings, OEC Fiber, and more. We've got uh, Yeti Cups, hotel packages, concert tickets, Bluetooth speakers, signed books, spotter boards from T-Row, instant cash winners, gift certificates for shopping and dining, rounds of golf, Water park passes, free T-shirts, and a whole lot more. That's happening uh, this coming Monday, noon to 7, next Monday at the Buffalo Wild Wings on the uh, I-35 service road in Moore. All, All right. right. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Now, as I mentioned, our usual Baylor correspondent, Drake Toll, couldn't join us today because I guess he's on a catamaran in Cancun, tipsy on Modelo. But... Uh, <laughs> Last we had Drake on, you recall, it was the week where Oklahoma was heading into Waco 9-0, and Drake got on the radio airwaves with us and said, yeah, Dave Aranda and Baylor, he literally said word for word, they're not scared of Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. Yeah. And, and they, he, he got some backlash on the Air Cover Solutions sex line, but he pushed, turned out to be correct. They pushed him around. How about the, like, the first three plays of that first series, by the way? So, uh, well, yeah, this this listener on the Air Cover Solutions sex line says, can we not get this Baylor insider on the radio again? Are you guys just trying to get OU fans fired up by having the opposing team insider on the radio? You just want to hear about the opposition. You yes, know, that's perspective. It. That's it right there. Perspective. And by the way, that's that's the reason I was calling him Kurt, too. I was trying to, you know, play some mind games. Actually, it's my lack of brain power now. Okay, go ahead. Another listener says, I was a roughneck at OU, just graduated. But for my time, the two worst fan bases were Georgia and LSU. Georgia fans just barking in your face, and then LSU fans just degrading you as a person was an experience with the Sooner Schooner. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, the Georgia fans, even at Augusta when Bubby Watt, Bubby, Bubba Watson won, not who's a Bubby in sports, Bubby Brister. There was a Bubby Brister. Uh, but Bubba Watson, when he won, you know how Augusta, everything's immaculate. And then, you know, you get out of line, they can, you know, basically end your life there at Augusta. But the Georgia fans, they were still barking up a storm, uh, you know, the two years that Bubba won there. So Another listener says, so basically the hope for getting close to the number one recruiting class just got delayed by one year? Yes, actually, that's a, that's a really good way of thinking about it. Because as you'll recall, when Muleshoe was still in town, the 2023 class for Oklahoma was looking legendary in the early stages. You had Malachi Nelson, Makai Lemon, Brandon Innes, Trayon Webb, Luke Haas, all committed. Am I forgetting anybody? You had Josh Bates as well. There was another mm-hmm. one. And yeah, for the life of me, was- I can't remember. Who it was. DeAndre Moore. That was who it was. That was number seven. So they had seven commits, by far the number one class in the country, and then it all fell apart after Muleshoe left. But yes, Oklahoma's going to contend for the top class in the nation in 2024. Yes, it simply got delayed by one year. All right, and uh, let's see. Texas fans are the worst on social media. Miami right there with LSU and A&M. 
you fans uh, forget their entire history as a 20-year window. They won five uh, national titles in, what, 17 years? Miami, I believe, did. Yeah, I remember the uh, Miami fans spat on Brian Bosworth as he was going back to the team bus afterwards. Bosworth that day, that was the game uh, in the Orange Bowl the year after Miami came to Norman and beat the Sooners in Norman with Vinny Testaverde and Michael Irvin and Jerome Brown and all those guys. And then the next year they went to uh, the Orange Bowl to play Miami. And Miami beat them again. And that was the game where Bosworth had like 23 tackles, ripped off Melvin Bratton's helmet, uh, went crazy, had a great game. But, yeah, the Miami fans were pretty, pretty ruthless. By the way, I've apparently been immortalized on a new banner within the University of Oklahoma athletic offices. Really? Because I'm in the background of a picture, like very conspicuously in the background, of a picture of Brent Venables as he's walking down the runway after getting off the plane. And there are thousands of fans welcoming him to Max Westheimer yeah. Airport as Oklahoma's next there head coach. You go. So I just had somebody text that to me. Very, very interesting. There you go. Well done, sir. It's well like, done. <laughs> and it's weird because, you know, there are like 30 people you can see in the background of this picture, but I, I, I just happen to be the one that's like most conspicuously in focus. I'm right over Brent's shoulder. Hmm. How about that? How about that? I've infiltrated. You could probably use that picture for a free meal at, uh, what, the Hawaiian Brothers or whatever brothers they are. Is it the Hawaiian Bros? Yeah, I don't know if that would fly down there. I don't feel like the Hawaiian – well, at the Dylan Gabriel connection. Yeah. I could leverage that. There you go. Take Jonah Dylan Lula. Gabriel with you. Yeah, I wonder, See I wonder if he if... wants to go along. Man, one of these days I'm going to road trip to the Hawaiian Bros in Yukon with Dylan Gabriel, Jocelyn Alo, and Jonah Laulu. There and we're go. all just going to eat Hawaiian food together. Man, I remember, uh, what was it, the 84? I'm trying to remember the year, or was it even in the 80, 86? I, I, when OU went to Hawaii, I can remember we did pregame and postgame and being on the board, not, not the board you're on, but in that spot right there listening to the game with John Brooks calling it that kicked at, I think, like 11 p.m. or maybe even 11.30, and then a uh, – post-game show i think we only did an hour afterwards but the game of course ended like 3 30 a.m so yeah legit crazy all right uh suitor softball team so you're saying that jocelyn allo gets the home run tonight in that matchup against baylor i think that's what you're saying i thought that's what you were saying i am saying, who's on first i am saying uh it's gonna happen friday night in the 10 p.m game against hawaii wouldn't that be perfect that's the storybook scenario. I think Baylor and Cal, they'll do this pitch arounder stuff maybe again, but the people of Hawaii yeah, the appreciate people of Hawaii so will be like, you know That's what? That's right. They're going to serve Groove it right, right down Broadway. Here you go. That's what's going to happen Friday night in the 10 o'clock game. I'm with you on that. That's when it'll happen. Okay, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, uh, 8K. So sweet to be elites. And uh, you need to get out there this Thursday. That's tonight, 5 to 8.30 p.m. They're going to hold drawings every 30 minutes for up to $8,000 in cash and bonus play. Then at 9 p.m. tonight, two grand prize winners are going to receive $1,000 in bonus play, plus any unclaimed cash. Don't forget the $80,000 courtside cash drawing happening tomorrow night, 6 to 11.30 out at Riverwind, where you can make it a fun Friday night by going to have a great meal out there or just playing and winning a jackpot before you win your cash and bonus play in the $80,000 courtside 
cash promotional giveaway coming up tomorrow night. Always so many ways to win at Riverwind. You can dine well. They've got a great hotel. They have everything. Riverwind is simply the best. Out of time, Parker and Tyler McComas locked in with you up next here on The Ref.